intro out there what you're hearing at the beginning of that is the actual sound of a m198 155 millimeter howitzer battery firing eight guns there that's what you're hearing interestingly if you recall on the last podcast i guess i can't really say yesterday because it wasn't yesterday it was a week ago but either way uh, on the last podcast, you might have mentioned, remember me mentioning that my brother Michael had played quite an instrumental role in the book and the radio show and going down there and his input and feedback. There's a lot of depth to it. Well, ironically enough, one of the other things that he suggested was to have the cannons going off in the beginning. I'll take credit for the masterful sound engineering on that, but it was his idea was his idea. Pretty amazing. What a radio show yesterday. Michael was there for that as well. And what I want to begin with today is the story of uh, Sergeant Peyton Knott. We didn't get to finish on the radio show yesterday. And when I was explaining on the last podcast, this is kind of the point of the podcast, I guess, in some ways, to clean up some of the loose ends that maybe we didn't do on the radio, uh, as well as be able to feature longer length interviews, as I mentioned. And those are going to be coming very, very soon. Very quickly, actually. Matter of fact, by the time you're listening to this, the first extended interview may be available. We'll just have to see how that all works out. But anyway, a lot of things going on. It was an exciting radio show. We went through a lot of material. I'm going to recap some of it today just to kind of circle back to my point. Uh, but I really want to start with this story of Sergeant Peyton Not that I didn't get to really say properly. We didn't get to finish it. I didn't really get to say it properly. And I want to give it its proper attention. And the bottom line is that in this story, this young Marine was recently promoted because of something that he said. So he got up and f- spoke in front of his fellow Marines uh, as an NCO, as a corporal. Uh, commandant of the Marine Corps happened to see that and promoted him for what he said. This does not happen very often. And it's certainly a far cry from the shaming and silencing that we see going on all over the place, Right. Everybody wants to make an example of the bad things that people are saying. How about the example of the good things that people are saying? And I think that this is a story that speaks about the best of our military, and there's some real examples to live by. This guy's the real deal. This isn't AI. This isn't a video. This isn't reality TV. This is this guy living his life. So I want to get into this story a little bit and tell you all about Peyton Knott and everything that we didn't get to discuss yesterday. Welcome to Project Chaos, the project, the project, the podcast. It is a project, the podcast and radio show that brings you the mindset and perspective of our nation's warriors. I'm your host, Chris Kunkel, a United States Marine Corps veteran and author of my newest book, Victory Over Chaos, which tells the true story behind the U.S. Marines' battle for Kafji. If you like what you hear, be sure to visit projectchaos.org. That's projectchaos.org. has all the links for all the podcast channels, the radio show. You can find all my books, including number four, Victory Over Chaos. It's all right there, projectchaos.org. Here we are, and uh, we're going to go through this story of Sergeant 
Peyton Knott. Sergeant, I wonder when he was born. He's a sergeant, about 20 years old. So he's probably younger than my son, if I had to guess. My son's an E4. This guy's an E5 as of last July. Yeah, so he might be he's enlisted. My son went through college, so I have a feeling this, this young man's a little younger than my son. Interesting that I'm sitting here commenting on these articles. I made it to E4. I never made it to E5. So I have no disrespect to Sergeant Peyton Knott for everything that he's accomplished. And there is a tie into this story, but I'll get to that after I give this story its, its proper recognition. I certainly didn't do that on the radio show yesterday. But listen, we can't be all things at all times, and that's why we're here to finish that up. The story is basically this. Uh, This young Marine was leading his uh, motor transport unit with 1st Battalion, 10th Marines, 2nd Marine Division out of Camp Lejeune. And I feel like that 110 might be uh, artillery. I didn't get a chance to look into it. It doesn't really matter. Either way... He did something noteworthy uh, for a particular inspection in preparing his unit, his work section. And the assistant commandant of the Marine Corps filling in for the commandant came down to give this award, which was a Navy Achievement Medal. Now, a Navy Achievement Medal is not a Medal of Honor. However, it's not exactly just a gold star either. It's a significant achievement. And it's certainly significant that the commandant of the Marine Corps would want to come down, in this case the assistant commandant, but let's not get technical. I'm going to come down and firsthand deliver this award. It's noteworthy. I don't know what all the details are going on in the background, but it must have been pretty noteworthy. But this story gets better. And it really speaks to the caliber of the young people in our country today and some of them serving in our military. After being awarded not delivered a motivational speech about his father's impact on him growing up. The importance of capitalizing on each opportunity and always ensuring that we leave something behind for those who come after us. The weight of the speech was felt by everyone in attendance, including General Smith, who afterward decided to promote Corporal Knott on the spot. Well done, Commandant. This is... Uh, fascinating to me, this young man, and the ties to what we talk about here. And I hope it illustrates to you that this is all very genuine, what we're delivering here on Project Chaos. It's ingrained in us, many of us, not just me. That's part of what I wanted to share with you. The power of the spoken word is incredible. We can deliver these stories. We can say these words. And then you can translate that into action. And many people repeating. It's very powerful when you think about it. I don't want to get too philosophical here. But I'm adding to the credibility of what I'm saying by giving you examples of others. This is a big deal. What is he saying? The same things that I'm saying. Leave something behind for those who come after us. Legacy. Legacy. It's leadership. It's speaking out. And this young Marine embodying that. Probably not going through college, I would imagine. Maybe making a career out of the Marine Corps. Why did he get the award in the first place? That's what I want to talk about for a second. Maybe there's some young people listening. Maybe some people who know some young people. Maybe can share the story. Why did he get the award? Well, it's very simple. He did a good job. He did a great job. Is that important today? I don't know about you. I don't know what happened after COVID, but boy, it sure seemed like a lot of things got upside down, didn't it? 
seems like so many companies struggling with um, meeting their clients' deadlines and uh, delivering properly and providing customer service. I'm going to say that when when you have a, a part of your team that can do a great job like that, it's vitally important today. Here's a guy who not only delivers on that, but he's going to motivate others to do it as well. Showing what? Leadership. All this bashing of young people. What do you call this guy? What do you, I, I, and how many people could even compete with the caliber of leadership that this young man is, is bringing, let alone the initiative that he showed in, in completing what he accomplished, and he's going to speak up about it. And I've said this many times about leadership. There's a saying, you know, if nobody's following you, maybe you're not leading. Well, maybe you're not speaking up. That might be part of the problem, too, because in my opinion, that's the first step of leading. If you can't speak up, speak to people, how can you lead? How are you going to do by sign language? But by email, this is what's going on today. You wonder why everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Nobody knows how to communicate anymore. Nobody understands the power of a man getting up in front of a, a group of people or a woman. No need to be uh, sexist about it. It doesn't really matter the gender. But to be able to get up in front of a, a group of people and articulate a story and argument in a convincing fashion and motivate people to do good things, it's amazing. It's necessary. I told you there was a little personal tie in all this story, and there was. And uh, it's really just a brief one, but it's a little part of my story that I'll share with you as well. The sergeant was motor transport was his um, occupational specialty, MOS, we called it. And as it was mine. You know, I don't remember the number. It's a little weird. I want to say 3531, but I feel like that's uh, infantry. I was not infantry. I was motor T. I was glad not to be infantry. I think I would have been okay in infantry, but those guys were just like a whole different breed down there. They really were. They just walked everywhere. They kind of like to drive once in a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I went to Camp Johnson at Camp Lejeune for school. That's where he got the award. I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I was there for a few months. Thank God got out. But I did have a good time while I was there. There's a couple of things I wanted to share with you. The first is the incredible driving schools that I was able to participate in combat driving, all kinds of maneuvering, different vehicles, incredible courses. And the, and I've been through many in my life. The Marine Corps wouldn't allow us to have a motorcycle on base without going through a motorcycle safety course. I've done other motorcycle safety courses. I've done other driving courses. Um, incredible stuff. And I highly recommend that even if you're a great driver, you can have a lot of fun doing it. Anyway, all that driving preparation led to some crazy stories once we got deployed out into the desert. And there's one about getting lost in the book, but I'll share this one real quick with you. My brother Tom, who was with our gun section, I don't know if he'll ultimately get a chance to listen to this. I talked to him about having him on for an interview. I should probably wait to tell his story until after he comes on. So I had a truck and a trailer. And I was hauling ammo. I was attached to the gun section, but I was fortunate enough I didn't have to, to drive, tow the gun anymore. I didn't have to be attached to the gun section. I kind of got to be out on my own with my A driver, just two of us. Not really, because we're parked right next to the gun truck, but it was just enough, just enough separation, if you know what I mean. Anyway, the purpose of all this was typically in peacetime, the projectiles would, say, go in the truck and maybe primers and fuses and small arms ammunition go in the trailer. They're not supposed to be together. Well, in a combat environment, all those rules go out the window. We just stuck everything in the truck together, which freed up the trailer to be 
somewhat of an RV of sorts. I would call it like a desert condo. And my brother Tom moved into there and, and took up took up homestead in there. And he had it all decorated. I mean, we had been parked for a while. And he had it all decorated up nice and a little bed in there. It's like a little apartment he had going on in there right before we're getting ready to kick things off. He was living, the, living large. Well, suddenly we had to make a move. And driving slow in those days wasn't really in my my vocabulary. And there we are roaring across the desert. And I mean roaring. <laughs> I mean like... These trucks, the combat vehicles at that time, I would imagine it's the same now. They're designed to be uh, embarked and disembarked from ships, and they're designed supposedly to be dropped from three stories and still be able to drive away. Just super heavy duty. I don't know if that's really true about the three stories, but they're really heavy duty. Well, we decided to test it with 20 pounds of ammunition, explosives on the back, and at one point the truck was airborne. Now, Tom wasn't aware of this because he was with the gun truck, you see. And I was out there having a good old time, really completely forgot about the real estate that I had tagging along in the back of my truck. Well, needless to say, we get back to our position and things settle down a little bit. The gun's set up, the net's set up, and things are returning to their normal order. And my good brother Tom goes to relax in his hooch for a little bit. I'll just share this one little highlight of what the scene, it looked like a crime scene. It looked like a bad murder scene. He apparently had like a a, a jug of Kool-Aid in there. The Kool-Aid packets came with the MREs, and I guess he had like a bottle or something in there. Well, this red Kool-Aid thing broke in there. And among other things, it just went everywhere. I'm a little surprised the guy still talks to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> This was a long day, you know what I'm saying? I'll leave you with this little story on this matter of me also being a motor transport. How fun life in the Marine Corps can be. I'm at Camp Johnson for school. That's for motor. There might be another motor team. It might be changed by now. I don't know. But we went to Camp Johnson, which is part of Camp Lejeune. Camp Geiger is where the grunts go. The infantry goes. And uh, I'm there at motor transport school. And there's a delay waiting for the school to start. And so they put us on guard duty. That's how you fill the time. And uh, we're doing these four on, four off. And then, I don't know, you did like two days on, one day off, or three on, two off, something like that. I don't remember what it was. But it was pretty brutal because your sleep would get all messed up. You were just tired the whole time. And I think that was kind of the design of it. So maybe we wouldn't get in so much trouble. So anyway, one night we're getting off this guard shift and it's still dark. It's coming up on maybe zero four. And the corporal of the guard comes out, and this it's all all of us are on guard duty, just a bunch of Marines on guard duty. It's weird. And he says, uh, who wants to do colors out at the gate this morning? And so I thought, well, you know, uh, I'm a hard-charging Marine. I'd, I'd like to check out how the colors are at the main gate. Great. A couple of us volunteer, three or four of us, I guess it was, maybe five, I don't know, maybe six even, I don't know. But it wasn't many because we saddled up in the back of this Humvee. And we go make the rickety-rackety ride a couple miles out to the main gate there at Camp Johnson, out on Lejeune Boulevard. And sure enough, we got to witness the colors, which was mildly disappointing. It was just us standing there <laughs> raising the flag, right? But this is the best part of the story. We get done, the corporal of the guard, before he gets in the Humvee, he grabs out a, a stack of trash bags. He says, hey, 
you guys are going to do a police call on your way back to the barracks. I'll see you back there. Hops in the Humvee and leaves. You know what the police call means? Pick up the trash while you're walking back. We were so deadbeat tired. It was unbelievable. What a nasty little game. That early on, we're just a couple weeks out of boot camp. We got a little taste of the Marine Corps way. You know what I'm saying? It was all part of it. Here's another little tie to the to motor transport story in the Navy Achievement Medal. I was the line NCO in Okinawa. And if my brother Dave listens to this, he may, he may remember this, but we had a, an IG inspector, an inspection of sorts. I shouldn't say IG. I don't remember it was an IG inspection. But we did have an inspection, and we did well. And I have a uh, some kind of medal for, not medal, uh, meritorious mast, I think. I didn't get any Navy Achievement Medal for it. I don't know, but it was crazy stuff. I think I was maybe 18, 19 years old. And here I had this fleet of vehicles, and there was no computers or anything. I had to develop my own maintenance schedule, and we did all that. checked to make sure that everything was brought up to date and all the repairs were made, and we had that all documented. And then we got into such little details, and this is like the, the Marine Corps military way, right? The concrete floor in the, in the tool shed, right? Everybody had to check out their tools, and every tool had to be accounted in a certain place and certain align. And we even went and put mop and glow on the concrete floor to make it shine when the inspector came through. Uh, but it was incredible. We learned, I learned a lot at a young age about planning and tracking the details and executing these things. And so if there's any young people listening, it's, this is one of the benefits you get from the military. If there's any older people listening that you might be hiring, this would be one of the advantages of hiring military. This is the background that military people are going to bring. We took a lot of pride in the little details. And um, one, of the, one of the things that was discussed on the second show, my brother Kevin was on. We were talking about the duct tape story. Maybe some of you remember that, uh, this, this, this disruption over the, the placement of duct tape, of all things. And it wasn't that it was so petty, even though it kind of was. But the attitude and the high sense of pride in work and to make little things stand out. And sometimes it can make all the difference. That's really true. And, you know, sometimes you get on the civilian world and people will accuse us of, say, being too regimented, too structured, or this or that. Everybody's too this. Um, and, they look, they make us, Marines look like monsters. Look at the Daniel Penny. We talked about that. Um, but it's not really the case. It's called discipline. It's called habits. It's called organization. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. Certainly not all the time. I don't either. But it's not a bad thing. Look at how they treated Daniel Penny. We talked about it on the radio show. The guy um, gets up to help others and look at what happens. We talked about uh, General William Barksdale. Look at everything that he did. He was mean in some ways. He was ferocious. He didn't back down. He also was labeled a radical. They called him a fire eater, which is where the name of the show comes from. Daniel Perry, I mentioned, what was he guilty of? Defending others. Look at the initiative that he took in the face of an attack on others. Daniel Perry got up out of his seat and uninterrupted his otherwise peaceful day to do what? To defend others. And now look at what's happening. He's being charged with a crime. People are saying that Daniel Penny's, did I say Perry earlier? Penny, saying that his Marine training gave him the ability to kill. He should have known that he was about to kill that man because of his Marine training and use it as a weapon against them. Can you imagine being Daniel Penny? You're going, I think he was going to class, college class or something. Gets out of the Marine Corps, gets honorably discharged. I think he was a um, 
squad leader, infantry squad leader. You understand the magnitude of the responsibility that he carried? Comes home, is in New York City. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. Gets out of the Marine Corps, served his time, whatever it was, four years, I believe. Just going to do whatever he's going to do, just like you and I do every day, like everybody else. And he's sitting on the train, the subway or whatever, sitting there minding his own business, not bothering anybody that has headphones in. Some schmuck decides he wants to start batting people on the back of the head, among other things. Daniel Penny gets up, takes action. Now he's being charged with a crime and being called a monster. You think these things have no impact on people? You think that this has no impact on the guy? You don't think that this is like a monumental headache for him? You get your driver's license suspended, you realize how your life gets turned upside down. This guy's getting abducted on, on a murder or manslaughter charge. It's crazy to me. Right here in America, the country we fought for, and then we're going to come home and get arrested for doing what? For, for defending our neighbors. And you wonder why we're a little cynical at times. We spoke on the radio show about uh, a few different whistleblowers and why this is so important. I'm going to tell you right now, I feel so strongly about this with the whistleblowers, which I am one. I'm not going to get too into it right now. I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again sometime. But people don't understand what you go through when you step up and you decide to become a whistleblower. You basically destroy yourself. And everybody knows it when they do it. It doesn't come as a surprise. Why don't we change that? Well, because it's not good for the government. It's not good for the politicians. It's not good for the generals. They can't have people out there speaking out about what's going on. But let me tell you something. For those of us footing the bill, those of us voting, those of us paying taxes, I think it's important that we do know. I think it's so important that I'm going to say to you, I have an open invitation for any whistleblower to come on the show anytime without any notice. You can call me, email me, chris at projectchaos.org. If you're a whistleblower, I'll give you time on the show. It can be military or not. doesn't matter. That's how strongly I feel about it. We need to strengthen the whistleblower laws here in Pennsylvania. This is why you can't this and that for whistleblowing. But there's no penalties. Your your recourse is to follow, file court action. You need the money to do that. You need to get a lawyer to take it up. Have you ever tried navigating that world? You think Daniel Perry wanted to get in the middle of that? You think these whistleblowers? I forget the guy's name now, the Navy veteran. You know, spent all this time in the military and ends up being disgraced because he did the right thing. But listen, what are we talking about here besides the nitpicky of these stories? There's a, bigger, there's a bigger part of this I want you to take away because it's really very important. What's the whole point of all this? What's the bigger picture of all this? Who cares about Daniel Penny, I guess? I do. Do you? I don't know. Some do, some don't, I guess. General Barksdale, died a hundred million years ago. Nobody cares about him. The whistleblowers, they get on with their lives. Everybody gets on with their lives, right? What are we really talking about? Leadership. Look at the young Marine. All this bashing that we see going on about young people, people today and this generation, there are real problems there. I'm not denying that. And we need to set a better example. How about we start there rather than criticizing and bashing all the time? Instead of criticizing and bashing, why don't we set a better example and do a better example of recognizing guys like, uh, what's his name here? Peyton Knott, Sergeant Peyton Knott. 
the leadership that these young men are exhibiting. Look at Daniel Penny. I hope he's getting enough help. The initiative. And then speaking up. What message are we sending today that we're going to send to our next generation? What is the most important uh, asset of our entire country, our entire way of life? The only asset, that not the borders, not the military, not the dollar, none of it. You can change all that. Borders can change. Leadership can change. Currencies can even change. But without the next generation to carry on the legacy that we leave, they're the only ones that can do it. So when you see it going wrong, it's just another reason why we need to listen up to the people in the military. They'll explain to you why it's going wrong and what exactly needs to change to change it. We're seeing incredible displays of leadership, initiative, and young people speaking up, speaking out in incredible ways. We need to encourage more of that, in my opinion. I think our country strongly needs it. Not people that can get up and say the, the, say the right thing to make sure they don't get in trouble or they don't cause any problems. No. People that can boldly speak up and speak the truth and say it with confidence. People that can take on an argument. People that can defend themselves verbally. People that are quick on their feet. And people that are willing to stand up and say a simple no. No, you're not going to do that. We're not going to allow it. I think it's time. We need more leadership, that's for sure. We are in the middle of a leadership crisis. I'm not the only one saying that. Many people saying it on many venues. You talk about initiative. You see young people, I don't talk about it. I don't even see them outside. I don't see people outside. Nobody taking. Nobody wants to do anything. They want to rock the boat. Of course not, because it's too risky. Why would anybody want to do it at this point? Just sit back and take the easy way out. Well, that's not going to last forever. Everything ebbs and flows, and the ability to work hard, to make decisions, to lead others, to get things done, it's huge, huge. And then I just, I'm so encouraged by this uh, Peyton Knott, Sergeant Peyton Knott, speaking up like that. This guy gets up in front of a small group of people and gives a little motivational speech, a little pep talk. What is the value of that in today's world? Huge. How many businesses would benefit from having an assistant manager, a manager, a young whatever, supervisor? They couldn't pull everybody aside and be like, hey, I know, listen, guys, it's going to be a tough shift. You know, Joey didn't show up tonight, so we're a guy down. The oil machine broke. The floor's wet in the back, and we got a leak upstairs. But here's the deal. If we work together, we can get out of here at a reasonable time. Work smarter, not harder. That's what I would say. Either way, whatever the message is, how powerful, how necessary is it today that we get people, especially young people, that can fill these positions? How do we have a country without it? That's what we really need to be asking. Not much of one, really. Nothing that resembles anything of these stories that I'm sharing with you, that's for sure. But this idea of what we're talking about, I'm trying to use these examples even in the face of adversity, being called a fire eater or a monster like Daniel Perry, whatever the case might be, smeared. Ted Macy, I think, was the the uh, nurse whistleblower. 
that even in the face of this adversity, willing to speak up, knowing full well going into it that that was going to be the case, still taking the initiative, still taking on the burden. Why? For the benefit of others. I hear so many people talk about the common good. I see very few people actually living it out exhibiting leadership and this is all a big part of what project chaos is about we, we we are the best of our military this is the best of our military these stories that we're sh- sharing with you like this young marine promoted instantly due to his uh, ability to speak up far beyond the normal course of what you see even in the marine corps not really i would say the ability for for young marine ncos to speak up is profoundly good in this case, he did a profoundly good job at it. People like uh, William General William Barksdale, who was so fierce, he never backed down. He also labeled a radical, a fire eater. But these stories, they're here to remind us of our military's strength and leadership, initiative, and the courage to speak up. Also, the pillars of Project Chaos. This predicament of poor Daniel Perry, who stood up to defend others now being charged with a crime. I'll say two things about it. Let it be an example of the sacrifice that people are willing to make and how smart you need to be if you're going to engage in that kind of thing. We'll talk about it another time. We need to protect our whistleblowers so that they will continue to expose wrongdoing. When you look back throughout history and you look at all the massive uh, campaigns of, of, uh, of horrible things that have gone on, I do believe you could find that in just about every one of, if not every single one of those cases, it was done because things were being done in secret. When things are brought to light, when the truth is exposed, good happens. That's the bottom line. Project Chaos is more than a podcast. It's more than a radio show. It's a platform that brings you the mindset and perspective of of our nation's warriors. Leadership, initiative, speaking up and everything about preserving our legacy and carrying forward the torch of our nation's heroes. I hope to see you Monday for the live show. Don't forget to visit projectchaos.org. Hope to see you Monday.